Welcome everybody to another episode of my uh, podcast, uh, the second one of the uh, year. I know I've been a little bit slow getting going, but hey, how good things come to those that wait. And I am delighted as always to welcome the wonderful uh, Rachel Costa of Virtual Sapiens. Uh, our paths crossed on um, LinkedIn and like where else, that's where I hang out. When we were in conversation with, I think it was Paul, his name was from Deloitte Digital, where he had posted an article around um, yeah, we'll get into it, but they were doing some crazy stuff with, with employees and this and that and that. Anyway, I looked at Rachel's um, background and thought, virtual savings, that seems interesting. And then dug a little bit deeper. And uh, yeah, so without giving too much away, the title is Virtual Sapiens. I will now shut up. Uh, Rachel, uh, who, what, why, when, where? And then let's see where we go down this rabbit hole today. Awesome. Well, Alex, it's great to be here. Um, that conversation on LinkedIn was was uh, so invigorating, and, and you know, as we'll see, this whole space of AI and video and communication on video is is rapidly evolving. Um, my background is a little unique. I was a professional ballet dancer for ten years, uh, danced with Boston Ballet, and so my entire foray into the world of professionalism, at least by my definition of it, was purely nonverbal. Right, so zero words are communicated and yet elaborate storylines and relationships are shared with an audience. So my passion for body language and presence and nonverbal communication started on stage in a very literal sense. I unfortunately got pretty injured, which is common mm -hmm. um, in that space, retired in 2016, maintained this passion for nonverbal communication and just translated the environment and became essentially obsessed with the way people communicate in more traditional workplaces. Um, and now a big part of our workplace experience is virtual. And so what we've done at Virtual Sapiens is take AI, layer it on top of your video platform to help that client-facing professional really develop awareness and a new skill set in the way we communicate and connect. Interesting. And that came left field in terms of a former ballet dancer. I guess if I'd uh, done a little bit of research, I could have um, I could have seen that. I don't know why I was nodding, going, mm, injury and ballet dancers, like I know that. because I'm, <laughs> I'm so not a ballet dancer, although my lovely wife was a dancer in her um, uh, in her previous life. But we, we digress. So this whole concept of... Um, and again, treat me like an idiot, it's not difficult, but nonverbal communication, can we kind of break that down a little bit further as to what do we actually mean by that? Because I know I have an assumption in my in my mind as to what I believe it to be, but I'd far rather hear it from, from an expert. Definitely. And I'm glad you bring that up because uh, there's so much, especially as these concepts move into pop culture, they can be um, slightly misunderstood. So if you think of communication as this big umbrella, under the umbrella of communication, you have these three tenets, right? You have verbal, which is word choice and anything that's related to the actual words and content. And then there's vocal, which is the delivery of those words. So intonation, speech speed, pausing, uptick, right? And then there's the body language component of, of the nonverbal, right? Which includes things like eye gaze, facial expressions, micro expressions, posture, hand gestures. Um, and the interesting thing about the way nonverbals work on, on video and in person, but there's an element of 
environment that also sends a message that is is not verbal, right? And so can also be considered nonverbal. And examples of that would be things like the clothing you wear, mm-hmm. right? Your framing, your lighting on video, those things are sending pretty strong messages to the audience and they're nonverbal in nature. So if anyone listening on audio, I'm now freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel is psychoanalyzing me as we're as as we're doing this in terms of everything that we're talking about. But I will uh, I'll run with it. Um, okay, awesome. That's that because uh, as you're talking, there's a lot to there's a lot to kind of um, unpack. And I you know, I've been through similar kind of trainings, but way way back when in my recruitment days, when you're interviewing candidates, looking for the cues, mirroring all that kind of um, that kind of yeah. fun uh, fun stuff and. Um, yeah, with the hands thing, all I can think of is um, uh, the character from Talladega Nights um, when he's sitting there. And he goes, "I don't know what to do with my uh, Ricky Bobby. Yeah. I don't know what to do with my hands?" And to, yeah. to, it always makes me chuckle. Um, so I guess that's that in itself is 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 an interesting kind of construct or concept for people, executive salespeople, marketing people, leaders, whomever to to engage with. Then then we were thrust into a virtual video um, environment. And for some people, I was only talking to a lady earlier today, and she hates, she says, I hate video. Even though she was mm. an actress, an actor, she hates video because when she's on stage, she's someone else. She's not her, but when she's on video, she's very self-conscious about being um, about being her. And then you then, to your point, have to start thinking about lighting and framing and this and that and that and that and that starts to go into you know technical things and so on and so forth so mm. how how have you found that or people making that that transition from a maybe understanding what that means in in a physical environment i.e your face to face and then going well do i need to do this in in a virtual video environment mm-hmm. so the the interesting thing actually about at least the evolution of communication in the workplace, right, is that leading up to the pandemic, video was increasing as a method of communication anyways. And the pandemic, as with with many things, accelerated the reliance we have on activating this channel. And while video came online in in a life-changing way during the pandemic, there, there also is a lot of understandable kind of trauma around video because it was, it was yes, the only way we could connect and see another human during pretty serious parts of the pandemic. Um, but there was no support really around how we use this channel effectively. And what happened was many organizations put these mandates into place or, or th- there may even have been a lack of mandate, but the outcome was that any meeting or any conversation was de facto a, a video meeting. Mm-hmm. And yeah. people developed like real fatigue and exhaustion around this channel because while so much communication was happening over video, there wasn't the support either to help people know how to use this channel effectively in terms of how to show up and feel like a human, yeah. right? And, and when you're on a video call, that maybe could have been an asynchronous document, mm-hmm. right? And ev- everyone's framed differently. And some people aren't showing up. Some people are looking off over here while they're talking to you. Some people are completely backlit. 
you know, you're not seeing anyone's hand gestures at all. So it's just a bunch of talking heads. Like a lot of those things create a much more challenging environment to connect. And it is, your brain has to do a lot more work mm -hmm. in trying to stay focused, pay attention, you know, stay present and, and ultimately have that engaging conversation, which is, by the way, very possible over video. And again, you know, we're, we're in this is a you know is a two way environment here. But as you, as those boxes start to increase across your your screen, so at some point you can't even see everybody in the boxes right. on the screen. And I've you know spoken into the void many a time when you're sitting there presenting to a large audience and you have absolutely no idea whether anybody is listening to you. And you've just got to keep plowing on and, and hope for the best. You're not just talking to your um. Uh, talking to your yourself so before we kind of get into the kind of the AI bit let's kind of step out of the step out of kind of virtual world and kind of real worlds because we're now back yeah. in the world and certainly you know in London you know face to faces everyone's like yeah back in the, we're genuinely back in the office and you know wanting to create mm -hmm. that, that human kind of interaction but I think you know for those of us that maybe want to uh, reevaluate the right word I don't think that's the right word but I'll go with it but rethink that's still not what i'm trying to say but gives pause for thought maybe on how might i um use non-verbal to communicate better or at least be me more conscious of it when i am mm -hmm. meeting. god i phrased this really badly i apologize <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long week what are what are the kind of the, the hints and tips of the things that people can give consideration and think about when they're in a either one-to-one -one meeting or a you know a group meeting where there's a bunch of people in a room Mm -hmm. And and this question is specific to to this would be happening over video. No, this would be you actually in oh. a um you're in in the real world. Okay, okay, yes. So the and the context of the meeting matters a lot in terms of the overall tone of your body language, the tone of your dress. You know, the if it's happening in a coffee shop, the way you you seat yourselves, the arrangement of um, the, the dynamics of how you set up the conversation. If you're in a conference room, there's a big table to consider. Uh, so that's like the number one is like, what is the context of this meeting? Is this a very casual exchange? Is this a board meeting? You know, are you presenting or are you having more of like an even keel back and forth? with someone. Um, but let's say, let's say it's in, it, let, let's say it's like a sales meeting, right? So it's you and um, this prospect, you're meeting them for the first time, right? So there's a lot that goes into this notion of establishing a initial first impression mm -hmm. and connection with that person. And so especially in person, there's the greeting that goes a long way. It's an opportunity to establish authority and credibility, mm -hmm. and also uh, rapport, right? Assuming that you're in a culture that shakes hands, yeah. the way you shake that person's hand, the way you make eye contact with them. Um, fascinating thing about eye contact that is a very interesting topic of conversation in this new AI video world, as I'm sure you've seen with some of the NVIDIA stuff. Yeah. Um, but Establishing eye contact is a very strong marker of connection. And it's great to do that, especially right at the beginning, right? You really see the person, you establish that connection, you show that you're confident enough to maintain eye gaze for you know, a, a certain amount of time. But there, there's a fine line between making that connection and then starting to really make someone uncomfortable if you're just like 
staring unblinkingly at them because you've been told that eye contact is a marker of authority and confidence, right? Yeah. Like this is super <laughs> intense. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> right? Um, so those, I mean, those are some things that you want to think about. Of course, your posture is a nonverbal that's always giving, mm -hmm. right? So whether you're intentionally holding yourself upright or you've kind of gone into more of a slouched um, kind of concave posture because of fatigue, or maybe that's just the way your muscles have developed over years and years of office work. But our posture is a very big nonverbal and the way that we you know, open up our, our sternum and our chest can send messages of being open, being receptive to connection, not feeling threatened, right? Like a lot of the um, barriers that we sometimes see with crossed arms, although crossed arms is a very complex nonverbal, um, holding things in front of you, right? Having a barrier between you and the other person mm -hmm. are things to consider in terms of really showing up and making that connection as open and quick, right? And effective, like thinking that we don't have very much time in person these days. You want to be thoughtful about the way you establish that connection from the beginning. But I mean, obviously I could keep going, but maybe I'll pause. <laughs> no, I was going to say, it's, and, and again, it's the, the um, whether we got time to talk about the folded arm ones, we'll take that off, off, offline because I've always got the view on that. It's defensive, but there's probably other things to it as um as well yeah. and um there's is this is this true you may not know the answer but I, I read somewhere I think I was told somewhere maybe it was one of these myths that when you walk into a meeting room the idea is you're supposed to pause briefly in the doorway which then creates a frame which then unconsciously the other people in the room look at it and your eye almost takes a photo and mm -hmm. you're framed in that photo which then um makes you more memorable now that may be absolute BS, or there may be something behind it, but it's something that I read a you know a while ago around pausing the frame again, not like for for a weird amount of time, <laughs> exactly <laughs> to, to do it, but maybe, but maybe, but maybe not. But um, yeah, I think yeah. everything that you've again, maybe it's in my world in recruitment because we were we were all taught this and taught to coach candidates when um, when in interviewing. It kind of all makes it all makes sense. So so thank you, but let's then get into kind of this in terms of the vir virtual world you know you can't shake mm -hmm. hands in a yeah. in a virtual yeah. world eye contact is hard because i'm looking at the camera here but i also want to yeah. look at you to read you and then i'm doing yeah. and you're kind of doing this um th this and this and yes whether you're i can't figure out if you're sitting down or standing up but whether you're standing up or sitting down in terms of breathing and all all that kind of fun uh that fun stuff backdrop i have a virtual backdrop i don't think you have a virtual backdrop because i can see a shadow on the um uh on on, on the plant and so on and so forth so how, mm -hmm. how do we then start to kind of translate this into a way which doesn't make you look like a complete weirdo but then also then helps you create that that communication but also be cognizant of what cues you may subconsciously be giving Yes. The person on the other other side, even though you're you're side by side. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. So one of the other kind of fascinating um, un unintended consequences of the pandemic was that nonverbals and body language actually really came front and center on video because it's such it, on the one hand, you feel like you're missing a lot 
Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, you start to realize that the impressions you're starting to form of people are now predicated specifically on what their lens allows you to see. Okay. And so in that sense, right, the biggest mindset shift that you have to make to be successful on video is to understand that your audience will only see whatever square rectangle your lens is picking up on, which is a huge um, benefit in some senses because you can control what they see, right? Mm -hmm. But your experience around you may may be very different, right? And so while you have to think about the way you show up for that, you may be in a very well lit room because the lights behind you, but what the audience will see is you, is you being backlit, for example, right? You may see everything perfectly well on your screen, you know, but if you're framed incorrectly, then, you know, this is what you get. And you can use as many hand gestures as you'd like, but now you're this tiny pea head. I'm like, (laughs) I mean, it's unbelievable, right? Like immediately I'm, my authority has been completely trashed right? I'm, yeah. I'm not a dynamic human. It's very yeah. difficult to make any connection with me in that space. And yet the number of professionals I see show up in videos like that, right? They're like, I can see everything on my screen. Fine. It's fine. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, but no one can see you, right? So it's very different from in person in the sense that the perspective of the audience is so limited and yet so much under your control. Hmm. Interesting. Obvious, so when that's, it, obvious when you explain it, but interesting when you just think, oh, I'm just going to fire on teams, I'm going to put the camera on, I'm going to, you know, because I talk to these people every day without actually thinking about the context of the person that's receiving what they're seeing of, of you. Right, right. And if you're thinking about impression formation, right, there are now, we're starting to see now studies that are coming out because we've been in this environment long enough. We're starting to see studies come out about, just how powerful things like framing and eye gaze are from an impression formation perspective, right? So I just demoed the framing example where like, if you show up in the lower part of your frame as a smaller person, you're perceived to be more childlike, less authoritative, right? These these things are, are important. If you show up as a full bodied human that's taking up a nice amount of the real estate in mm-hmm. your frame, you come across as more authoritative. You can leverage nonverbals much more effectively, right? Hand gestures more naturally show up in the frame. You don't have to have them like by your head. Yeah. And um, and then the other thing that I think people neglect is it also sends the message to whoever my audience is that I've taken the time to set myself up in such a way that we can have a an effective conversation it demonstrates respect it demonstrates awareness of the channel that i'm leveraging and in a very tightly competitive market mm-hmm. those things can go a long way in distinguishing you from your competitor especially if your competitors like whatever it doesn't matter it's video hmm. my brain's now <clears throat> my brain is now uh, is now is now going but again it's so uh, that's why i enjoy you know, having these conversations and it just this will help my audience enjoy these conversations because I hope you're listening and actually watching this. In fact, if you are listening to audio, stop listening to audio unless you're walking or driving and go <laughs> to the YouTube channel and watch the um the the the, the video because what Rachel is 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 demonstrating um 
uh, physically per se, it, it, it makes sense. And I know that we are probably, I'm guilty of it. I know that we're probably all guilty of it in some shape or form because yeah, we do get tired. It's just, you do have people saying, oh, it doesn't matter. It's video. It doesn't matter if there's an absolute you know, your laundry behind you or this or that, which is why I always, I always have the Microsoft um, office if I'm on Teams in the background, which is the WeWork in Seattle. Because I've been uh-huh. asked times, is that your office, Alex? Like, no, it's not my office department. I wish it was. And then I went onto the internet to actually ask where it's from. And it is the not on this one, but it's it's we work in Seattle. That's yeah. standard office thing. Yes. Yeah. Makes sense. So think and I'll, I, I'll I just have... say, oh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I um I think it's also important just to um bring back the point earlier of like context really being important. Mm-hmm. Right. Not every video meeting has to be like, you know, the most perfect, whatever. But if we're talking about these like very short moments, opportunities, you have Mm -hmm. to connect with a prospect or a client. Right. It's like you shouldn't be leaving anything on the table. And and I think that's a that's a fair comment to call out because yes, there'll be your colleagues who you know really, really, really well, and it can be fine. We're just having a quick, you know, quick call. But if you are presenting to somebody for the first time, or you are meeting somebody for the first time in a virtual capacity, prospect, candidate, employee, whatever, yes, then you need to consider about first impressions um counts. And you know, I talk about in terms of your link one's LinkedIn profile, it's the same principle. Actually, wherever you digitally reside, you are creating that first impression and video, albeit dynamic, is fundamentally no different when you put it in the context that you so eloquently, eloquently put, uh, Rachel. So you mentioned at the top of the, the top of the show, the top of the hour, um, the virtual sapiens, you've got AI, you have AI technology. Is that right? So let's how yeah, let's 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 go there. Let's get out of the AI rooms and talk about some of the stuff that we've um we were talking in my imaginary green room, which I which I had before the um before the show and some of the stuff I've seen um uh more recently in the press in the last 24, 48 hours. Can technology help us on this? Is it going to become too invasive? Where's it gonna where's it gonna go? What sort of what sort of technology does your tech I mean, what technologies is your technology? Doesn't make sense. What does your tech do, and how does it help people? Yes. Um, so, I, obviously, the verdict is still out in terms of where we'll end up with all of this. Mm-hmm. In terms of what we do, that's quite different from some of the other AI technology on video calls that you'll see. So, there's a big emphasis on these bots, right, yeah. that join the call mm-hmm. and they give you a transcription, they're your note taker, they'll give you next steps, they'll summarize your meeting, uh, speaker share, whatever. And that's, so that's all focused on what is being said during that meeting. It also records everyone on the call and you have to have this like very obvious yeah. bot on the call, right? And there's always that kind of awkward moment at the beginning where it's like this meeting's being recorded and you're like, oh God, can I tell them like I don't, I'd actually prefer not to have this be recorded, but then you don't. And next thing you know, people are slightly uncomfortable. At Virtual Sapiens, we focus on computer vision only and the application of our AI in its current form is specifically as a coach to the person using it. So what that means Right. So exactly. So what that means is, for example, I'm using the in-call coaching solution now. Mm-hmm. It sits as a very small, unobtrusive layer on top of my Zoom. It accesses my web stream. So it only sees me. It's essentially like your eyes. 
Okay. It's acting as another audience member that will tell me if, for example, I spent a, a lot of time talking and I'm looking at like, you know, you're in the middle of my screen, but if you were over here and I was talking like that, it would say like, hey, Rachel, remember to, you're talking, redirect your eye gazing to the lens. Okay. Or, you know, if, I, if I've been talking for a certain amount of time and I haven't used a hand gesture or my hand gestures have been too low, it'll remind me like, remember to stay engaged with your hand gestures. We don't say what specific hand gestures you should do, but just that it's a helpful cue to really keep that other person engaged. Um, so in that sense, right, we have... We, we give people the power of having like a, a secret private coach in their corner who can help them develop the awareness and the updated skill set to communicate effectively on video as a speaker, but also as a listener. So if I'm the one who's listening and I've completely zoned out, it'll it'll tell me like, Rachel, you've your face has gone from, you haven't changed your facial expressions in however many seconds, you, know, you haven't nodded, you haven't tilted your head. You know, this person doesn't know if you're frozen or if you're just not paying attention, right? So let's yeah. let's show the person you're still yeah, engaged. Let's show the person you're still listening, even if you're not still listening, let's at least look like you're still listening. Um, that's really cool. Yeah. That's, that's um, yeah, and I, I, I totally hear you in terms of the those applications. And it's also another person in the call. So there's like the other window that also opens up in the call. So yeah. it looks like you've got yeah. three people. It's like, no, no, it's not a third person. It's just this, yeah. this thing which is there quietly doing in the blah, 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 blah. But it's a bit. Right. When, well, and it's just interesting because what it does also is either um, nobody says anything about it. And then yeah. it becomes this like elephant in the room that someone, your client is or prospect is spending mental energy in this like internal debate being like, I don't know, I don't, I don't love this. I guess I won't say anything. Blah, blah. Meanwhile, you're trying to greet them. Right. So that's scenario A. Scenario B is that you do bring it up and it becomes the first topic of conversation, which you could be talking about so many other things. Indeed. So that's really cool. I like the sound of um, what you what you do and what are you is, is that i guess again it's a stupid question i guess anybody in a bit so that's b2b b2c any kind of industry can work with your technology um if you're in this zoom you mentioned zoom does it work on if you've got teams does it work on on teams as well or or any kind of platform yeah so we are platform agnostic so anyone can use you can use it on teams you can use it on zoom google meet whatever um it runs kind of on its own currently okay. it's a chrome extension but we're actually going to be evolving that um that architecture soon but it will still like we are definitely interested in integrating more directly within platforms mm -hmm. but the benefit to having the tool designed as it is now is that people can use it very flexibly with whatever video platform they'd like. Yeah. And, and this is maybe a little technical, but we are able to run all of our models in browser, like locally on the person's device. Yeah. So none of the processing, so none of your video or audio ever gets sent to a server. Um, which just from like a, again, like that privacy perspective, it's yeah. a real, it's a real benefit. It's not, not in the cloud somewhere. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Like yeah. Various country and you're analyzing all of us and then going to create virtual, virtual sapien army of your virtual sapien. Okay. Of your own. I don't know where that went. Um, <laughs> so over time then, if I were to use your, your, does, does your software then kind of give you kind of monthly, um, 
monthly reports are maybe not the right thing, but over time it helps kind of look at trends and you need to do more of this, you need to and 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 and, and as well as real time, but you can actually look back at this is actually what you need to think about. Yes, no, great question. So at the end of every call, we actually give you a, a quick post-call summary that, mm-hmm. that pops up and we'll just contextualize any of the nudges you may have seen into communication categories. So for example, perceived trustworthiness will be based on how you showed up as a listener, as well as the way that you leverage facial expressions to show people how you were feeling about things, et cetera. Um, And then we do have like progress tracking dashboards and weekly email digests that go out to, to individuals and then managers so people can see like it's just, it's so fascinating because for so long, this dimension of communication has been very subjective, almost impossible to get feedback on and impossible to like kind of track progress. You have to rely on either people's feedback or, or your performance. Yeah. Self, self-perceived performance as well. And we always think, oh, wasn't yeah. that, um, with no idea what the person on the other end, the other end of the call um, or video call felt. So let's let's amp it up a bit. Then we've you know we we cross paths on that post from um, Paul at Deloitte Digital on the um, I think it did transpire it was their own internal team they weren't doing it on um, <laughs> clients as well but actually I think it was they were putting like I'm guessing caps or hats on their employees and kind of going down the the neuro the neurological route of um, kind of analyzing how one performs in. Um, uh, in meetings, I saw you reshare or post um, AI tracking tool. So mm-hmm. it may always look like you're looking at the camera, even though you might not be looking at the um, right. at the camera. And of course, we can't not fail to talk about chat GPT because it's flipping everywhere. Um, right. Microsoft announced today, what are we, the 3rd of February, um, 2023, that chat GPT will be in Teams Premier, where that will analyze, transcribe, summarize, um, and probably do some other crazy stuff in all of, all of this world. So it feels like the, the kind of analytics in all of this, and then the AI that one layers on, on top of this, could go to some pretty interesting places, if not pretty scary places from an certainly employee perspective of a large um organizations so what 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 are you what are you seeing in your world in in kind of all of this so i see i see kind of these two avenues one of them is the ai strictly exists as a, an ass- assistant a, a tool to assist the human in Uh, saving them time, being more efficient, developing new skills. That's like one channel. And that's the, that's the channel that we fall into, right? We're there as an assistant to help you develop real communication skills to rewire habits and muscles. And then there's this other (laughs) avenue, which is the, the AI actually being leveraged almost as a replacement of some of the most human parts of our experience, right? And to that, I mean, like that more that more the avatars, more of the filters that change the way you look, the Mm -hmm. NVIDIA AI gaze, like redirect um, feature where, you know, you you could be reading a book and looking down here and it'll be like, yeah, Rachel's totally paying attention to you, which I'm like, if we're talking about 
leveraging these tools in a trust-based environment. Mm -hmm. I think that that avenue is a little trickier um, to swallow. Not that there aren't benefits to it, but from our perspective, we are, we are all about supporting the human and developing themselves as professionals and as individuals versus giving them these kind of replacement options that can be very deceptive because it's unlikely that you would make a big announcement to the group or the person listening that like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm using some AI. So I actually, I don't look like this, um, right? I mean, it's obvious if you're like a cat or whatever, but you know, if it's these subtle changes, it can really erode some of the trust that's essential in establishing some of these relationships. And again, that's why I enjoy these conversations because it's I, I hadn't. And again, when you when you when you hear it out loud from an expert, it's like the trust piece is is an obvious one in terms of you want to be trusting the person you're meeting is is the person you're meeting and not trying to game the system. And you know we see this you know the perfect life on Instagram and hashtag filters and this and that and all that kind of that kind of stuff. And I, I, I'm I'm of the same opinion that yes it's i think it's got its place to be an ai coach supporting um tool to augment the human where appropriate augment the human in terms of help them perform better not augment the human necessarily down the route of deep fakes avatars um you know is it synthesia which is the the biggie in terms of creating those uh the training videos and i think when it's asynchronous kind of video I can see that working, but I, I'm still not convinced that we're quite there yet where those avatars are yet engaging enough to even to run training type videos where you need to coach and train people, unless I guess it's basic um, basic stuff. And I've even seen conversations around how you might use generative AI and customer, yeah. customer service or customer success. And I'm like, the only time I talk to customer service when something's wrong and I want to talk to a human being to get the yeah. data fixed and not sit in front of, you know, an avatar that is pre-programmed to follow a certain, a certain uh, script. <laughs> right, right. I mean, and we all like dream of, you know, have you seen the movie Her? Uh, I haven't, no. Okay, watch it immediately. It's actually quite an, quite an old, I mean... I don't know, maybe like 10 years or so ago film, but you know, you dream of this like AI system, like operating system that like could be so sophisticated. Right. And, and when you see some of this GPT stuff, I think that's why people were so like, Oh my gosh, like the answers have such like feeling and like such a, such a, this like crazy quality and whatever. But, um, but there's still a lot, there's a lot of human involvement that goes into that. And, you know, I think there's one thing, again, to use the AI live during a conversation to be like, oh, you know, we've noticed that this person has stopped paying attention. You know, you may want to pause, take down your slides, check in with them, right? Like that's a very different thing than having the AI be the, the full performance, right? Um, so... Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But I do, I, I, I agree. I think at a certain point, you have to know where you stand, especially when you're wielding some of these technologies, because it can be very tempting to go down some of these paths where you can essentially tell humans, like, hey, you can just like 
be on your couch doing whatever. <laughs> and like, it'll look like you're wearing a suit and you're like in an office. Right. And, but that also, there's a connection between the way you show up physically mm-hmm. and your own ability to engage and retain information and energy. Right. And so if you are kind of slouched back and like you have your head in your hand or whatever, like, even if you're just vocal only, right. Even if we're talking about a vi- um, phone call, that's going to affect the overall energy and impression of that call, regardless as to what the other person may be perceiving. Absolutely. Again, back in my recruitment days, we were always told to stand up when making phone calls because you, yeah. your chest opens, your lungs open, you breathe, smile when you make a phone call because they can hear the smile um, in the uh, in, in in the call and uh, and so on. So it hasn't changed hasn't changed that much, although it's changed completely in some, right. in some respects. <laughs> totally now, new world, but same. <laughs> I know I, I do you know I have a seven-year-old and a uh, always feeds five in two weeks and how they interact with technology today is 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 inspiring yet terrifying at the same time and I just wonder whether Pandora's box has been has been well and truly opened and we 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 can't close it because humans are curious creatures by by nature and yes mm. I accept that for them doing a video call with you know granny and grandpa or mummy when she's overseas is is totally is totally normal but i i don't i hope i don't think we will because humans are pretty sensible people when when push comes to shove but you can't beat i know we're not in person i'd love to be doing this in person with you rachel but at least i'm seeing you and you're seeing seeing me i wouldn't want this to be some ai driven avatar driven type sort of um conversation because you you lose you lose what's here we go you lose what makes us homo sapiens (laughs) yes we may be virtual but we're still human (laughs) oh man no i appreciate that (laughs) i impress myself sometimes even if i do say so my uh uh myself um i think that's probably a good place to uh to pause before i start rambling on even further rachel (laughs) absolute pleasure to have you on as 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 a guest I do appreciate I kind of just, you know, stumbled across our conversation and then said, I want to talk to you on the podcast. So I I genuinely appreciate it. Um, Before we kind of wrap up, what are your kind of top three reminders, tips, four or five, whatever, um, for people when um, considering video calls? Just go over those again. Yes. So I think number one is remembering the context or the goal of the conversation, because if it is, if it does need to be a video call, it matters. And and the, the decisions you make and the way you show up matter. Not all conversations need to be video. So keeping that in mind. Um, number two, if you are having a conversation, an important conversation over video, really taking a moment to just consider what your audience might be seeing and whether or not that reflects the type of professionalism, personal professional branding that you would like to have communicated, right? That you would like to have land with your audience. And then number three is all of all of that taken into consideration, the way the way your environment influences you and, and the way that you feel, the chair that you sit on, whether you're sitting or standing, you know, where the lens is so that you can, with an upright and open posture, easily look into the lens how you show up within the lens so that it's easy for you to use hand gestures without having to totally change the way you might communicate. 
those things are just as important. Um, and, and all of these things can be very tricky to really figure out on your own. So like not being afraid to ask for feedback or, you know, leverage a tool like virtual sapiens to get you the feedback you need. Awesome. Thank you. And um, if you want to learn, genuinely, if you want to learn more about virtual sapiens and how you might be able to uh, help them, where's the, where's the best place for them to, uh, to go? Our website, virtualsapiens.co, not.com. And um, we actually have, while we do focus on B2B teams um, and organizations, any individual can sign up for either of our products. We have a great assessment product and then the in-call sidekick coach. You can sign up for them for free, give them a test drive, see how see how you feel interacting with this kind of you know, AI facilitated feedback. And, Go from there. Awesome. I will point people to the, uh, the website. I guess they want to reach out to you on LinkedIn after the hearing this. You're happy for people to reach out to you on LinkedIn too. And um, have okay. way. if you do, please do mention the um, uh, the podcast is um, where uh, where it um, came from. It always helps to know that <laughs> these things actually uh, work when you're doing it and so on and, uh, and so forth. But um, yeah, Rachel, absolutely pleasure to have you on. It's given me food for thought it's reminded me of it's reminded me of some of the things i was aware of but it's also given me some new things to give um consideration of as well when um certainly speaking in this uh, in this environment but also in the, in the face-to-face so um i really do appreciate your time and your uh, your insight and uh for those who are listening if you want to be on the podcast you know what to do if you want to recommend anybody to be on the podcast you know what to do um otherwise uh, i will um leave it with rachel thank you i really do appreciate your time Thank you, Alex. It was a pleasure.